yeah, I'm here with my guest today, Kendall Card, who is the co-owner of Black Ovis and Camo Fire, as well as the Crispy Boot Guy, the U.S. distributor for Crispy Boots. So, how you doing, Kendall? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, Hunter. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's awesome to get to catch up. And we were talking before um, we hit the record button um, that you had two. You said you had two mountain goat bow harvests this year, so I got to hear. Yeah, last, last year, yeah, in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. So tell me about that, man. Oh, geez. So uh, uh, Tim uh, Burnett is. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, and and he's one of the guys that we support in, with Crispy and with Black Ovis. Um, Solo hunter. Talk, yeah, yeah. We we got talking, and gosh, it'd be two and a half years ago right now, and we we're both kind of talking about like what kind of hunts we want to go on. And both of us were like mountain goat is a bucket list item. And, and, uh, and both of us are extremely spoiled because we both hunted and and harvested doll sheep. So I think uh, that was, that was probably bucket list item number one and bucket list. That's on mine. (laughs) It was, so we, we, uh, we got talking and I was like, I want to do a mountain goat hunt. He's like, dude, I want to do a mountain goat hunt. <laughs> and the area that I, I had been putting in for in Utah, which is just in my backyard, um, it literally takes like 17, 18 points. And I think I had wow. five at the time. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to be 60, 65 before I draw this tag. So he and I booked a two for one mountain goat uh, hunt with uh, oh, nice. with Lonesome Dove Outfitters up in Cordova, Alaska. And so okay. we had this on the books. And then the draw came around, you know, put in applications. And, and to be honest with you, I had forgotten what I, I remember, I remember now, but, but when the application results came out, I was like, I saw that I had drawn, but I was like, what <laughs> unit did I put in for? Because I, I had switched gears and said, I'm going to put in for this archery only, um, uh, option here in Utah, the Nebo, it's called the Nebo area. Nice. And it, and and I drew unbelievable. And I think my, my percentage of drawing was, uh, was around 4%, 4, 5%. Or 5%. Wow. Um, so then I was like, Oh my gosh, I've got two, two tags in my pocket. So I did that hunt. I scouted all summer. Um, and then black for black Ovis, we did a film, uh, Justin Nelson of top priority came and filmed that hunt, um, scouted all summer and had a, just a, just an amazing hunt, um, and harvested a really big nanny um with my bow and that was about like a 30 yard shot and we just put put out the film so it was pretty cool okay i I hope it i hope it gives people an idea of just just how awesome the hunt is and yeah and then yeah turned around that was second week first first or second week of september okay around two weeks later went to alaska and watched tim uh tim killed a huge huge billy Where'd you go in Alaska? Uh, we were we went out of Cord- Cordova, Alaska, but we were hunting, I think, closer to Valdez, so okay. kind of on the on the mainland there. We weren't out on Kodiak, which a lot of people go to Kodiak. Yeah, uh, saw a ton. So of you were goats. on the west coast, I guess. Yeah, yeah, on the west coast. Okay. So uh, just a super amazing hunt, um, and uh, I happened to get my first uh, my first bear. Um, I I picked up a black oh, bear no tag way. and stalked and killed a black bear like uh like 15 yards with my bow that was pretty rad yeah and uh my wife's like wasn't that a little close (laughs) i "I didn't even think about it maybe it was because i had a guide with me and he had a rifle and i so i just didn't even it didn't cross my mind like 
I just knew, Hey, I got to get to this little point to see this bear. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, yeah, that was, uh, then the next day, uh, I was able to, we went, we, we went pretty far, far into a zone that the, the guide was like, we, I've never brought a client over this way. Actually, he, he did once he brought, uh, Aaron Snyder hunted with those guys and Aaron, oh, okay. he took Aaron over into this zone, um, that I dubbed Narnia cause it was just so far away. <laughs> and so we went over to Narnia and I just got super fortunate and, and arrowed a goat and nice, nice Billy so that's awesome man. yeah two mountain goats in the same year and i i honestly it's um it's unfortunate because it's a, like a thirst that i'm i i can't quench now and so <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I'm gonna start putting in for every single draw that i can oh, yeah. find because mountain goats it was an amazing amazing uh animal to hunt and actually How'd they, that... they taste really good too i my experience though so far in eating it has been been really favorable and how uh how did that compare to the doll sheep hunt you did so what's what's interesting is it was just as hard uh like physically uh demanding um as, you know in the doll sheep hunt we flew in so we didn't we bypassed all of that uh kind of the the, the timber and lowlands we we flew in and play in a you know a, a, i don't know what, what kind of plane but what you know a plane with a big a tire super cub or yeah something. super cub there you go yeah yeah and we were you know above the alpine the entire time um this is going to sound weird, but I, my doll sheep hunt that year was not even as, it wasn't as strenuous as my mule deer hunt in Colorado. Hmm. Um, I go every year to the high country in Colorado and it, I, I kind of came away from that doll sheep hunt thinking, golly, it should have been harder. Um, huh. maybe just I want, I really enjoy the physical demanding aspect yeah. of mountain hunting. And that's, I think because it wasn't as demanding as I thought it would be, or I envisioned in my mind, I, I came away a little bit like, man, I think I want to go on one of these again, if I get so fortunate to do so. Um, and I want it to be like wicked hard. I want it to stomp. Yeah. Um, just, just skip the super cub and just walk in, man. I, I yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, I, there's something I say to my kids all the time that, uh, that, you know, I get, I, I picked up from Jocko, uh, Willink is, uh, is hard is good. And I, I, mm-hmm. I absolutely, um, love, that's what I love about fitness and I love about challenging myself with these various things I've done climbing or skiing or road biking or trail running. Um, I love the, I love pushing my body to, to kind of like the, the points that I think are impossible, but really they're possible. Mm-hmm. So, and then when it comes to hunting, they, some of these demanding physical hunts that, that, you know, others might find like, you know, are just intimidating and I'm intimidated for sure, but I'm also, I get excited. Oh yeah. So kind of a yeah. long answer to your question, but that, no, but the mountain goat, that's good, man. the mountain goat hunt was, was definitely challenging. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, Tim, Tim could tell you too. It was, um, I mean, the day we packed, we packed out cause we had both goats and the bear and we were trying to make a deadline, uh, to get flown out because <laughs> yeah. the, uh, this big storm was coming and we actually missed the deadline, but we did two humps from our high camp. Uh, it's like 3000 feet down. Wow. <laughs> we went down and up and down again. Um, you know, that's two, intense. It was, but you know, I was like, I was loving it. It was, it yeah. was a butt kicker, but I was loving it. Well, that's why you gotta, I preach this a lot, but, uh, live, you know, I say like live ready, like stay in shape all year because when you go on these hunts like that, like you said, it'll be strenuous and enjoyable, not like 
you're dying. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, because I've had I've had the other. I mean, I've had the opposite happen. I've gotten crushed in the mountains plenty of times. But I oh, yeah. I I will always want. Well, what drives me in fitness is two things. Number one is kind of like what you said. I basically want to be able to come off the couch and just stomp anything. Like I want to be able to off the couch go run basically a half marathon or a 10k if I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, super easy. Like I you know, it's like I had a guy, a buddy of mine. Oh, it's, gosh, it's been about six years ago. He was running a, he, he runs a two or three 100 mile races every year. And he called me out of the blue and was like, Hey, Kendall, I need you to pace me on, on this, you know, on this, uh, this hundred that's coming up in two weeks. And I was like, man, I haven't been training. He goes, nah, I know you, you're always, basically he was like, you're always ready. He's like, you, you can do this. He's <laughs> yeah. like, it's only like 15, 16 mile leg. And we went out and yeah, I just, we had a good run and, and that was in September and I went elk hunting that night. So it was like, <laughs> nice. I, I always want to be able to do that. And then a sec, and I, I want to be able to, to, to essentially physically keep in shape so that when my kids, kids are ready to go hunting, that I can go do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Those are kind yeah, of my totally two right. physical aspirations, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, uh, I got, I gotten, uh, I had to get myself in shape for an Alaska hunt uh, last year, and man, it was just life changing. Isn't it amazing thing. up there? Oh, dude, yeah. I, I'm I'm going back this year. I'm going back to Kodiak in August. Wow. I'm going to try to go back every year I can if if my wife will let me and I can afford it. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I actually told someone recently. I was like, if I could afford it, um, which you know, I. I you can afford just about anything. I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really set your mind to it, if, yeah. I, if I wanted to sacrifice and go on that goat hunt every year, I would do it. Like, yeah. How did just, that rate in terms of, um, the, cause I've looked at the cost of doll sheep hunts. Was it about the same price as a doll sheep hunt or is it a little no, more or a little less? No, no, no. A lot less. Yeah. Oh, it, really? At least half. Um, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. At least half. And because we did a two for one, um, it, they, it was discounted a little bit. And it's not typical. Um, our guide told us um, after, of course, he told us after we hunt because the outfitter and the guide were different. The outfitter's like, oh, yeah. You know, what's, what's funny is sometimes outfitters have only hunted. That's my third hunt that I've had guided. Uh, both, mm. two, two were in Alaska and one was New Mexico. But right. uh, my buddy. You have to have a guide for, for a mountain goat. Right. So yeah. being my third hunt, I, I've kind of figured out that outfitters, outfitters and guides are not obviously synonymous and what the what the outfitter sells sometimes the guides like you know they roll their eyes like oh geez and i think (laughs) this out this guide he was he was a stud his name was adam just a just a super humble down-to-earth guy and he and and a hard worker oh my gosh but he um i think when he found out i've got two hunters and they're both bringing their bows and they expect to harvest with bows Mm. he was like "Uh, okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right, Dennis. What do you what have you sold? But um, afterwards, he said that's the that's the first time we've ever had two hunters uh, wow. harvest with a bow. Um, wow, man! And he it was pretty cool. It was, it was it's awesome to receive compliments from people that you respect or admire, and and I respected. Oh, yeah. I mean, he earned my respect absolutely. Just tough as nails, and he he was like, "You guys are you guys are good hunters," and that's that's uh, that's rewarding to kind of hear. Oh, yeah, you know, I don't think i'm gonna you know anything special when it comes to hunting but to have a guy say like oh man you guys were able to keep up and you know we did some hard stuff and you both killed and 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 it's like 
right on. That's, uh, yeah. you know, all my physical and hunting training and experiences have added up to, to something worthwhile here. Yeah. Cause those Alaskan guides, they're not going to sugarcoat or anything. No, man. Those guys. <laughs> no. So you're hunting, uh, you hunted, uh, what'd you hunt in Kodiak? So we did a, we did a DIY like walk in caribou hunt, um, last oh, year yeah. in, uh, East central Alaska, which was amazing. Um, didn't get to pull the trigger. We had a couple opportunities, but you know, um, non-residents can only shoot bulls. And we saw a few that were like, we couldn't just quite tell a hundred percent that they were not cows. And so we didn't pull the trigger, but like it was a life changing experience. I mean, the whole thing was just awesome. It's amazing being in country where you look around and I mean, as far as the eye can see, you can almost guarantee there's not another human being. Oh, yeah. And you could just be like, I could literally walk in that direction until, like, I die and never get to a highway. <laughs> it's it's like, nuts. It's, it's, yeah. It's, there's something special about that. It kind of, it's almost a primal, I don't know, it takes you back to your roots and, and yeah. it, it removes... It removes all of the like all the things that that tug at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in all the distractions, of course, um, but I think it allows you. I it usually takes a couple of day on a hunt like it's like on a hunt like that. But it you kind of come back to I think the core of what God created us to be and to think totally. like. Uh, I think in our society today, um, we've conditioned ourselves to 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 equate busy with good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, everyone says, Hey, how you doing? Oh, we're busy. And now some, that's supposed to mean like, that's good. Right. But I think, I think that, that the distraction of, of the busy and the distraction of the pursuit of whatever is, is different from the pursuit of true happiness, which is family mm-hmm. and God and faith. Um, when you go on those hunts, at least for me, and I, and I suspect for you, it almost brings you back to the point of like, this is what God created me to be like oh, totally. and think like, and this is how life is supposed to be, um, supposed to be. And even though it's not, doesn't mean that life's like all lost, but it just means like, Hey, you got to find some time to refocus 100%. on what the purity or what the, the sanctity of life is supposed to be rather yeah. than, uh, you know, get in get into the whirlwind of what the world has designed uh for us to be like which are two different things a hundred percent man i mean like human beings were not designed to sit at a desk and look at a screen for eight hours a day oh no and there's just something there's something amazing about you know i got this five six day chunk i'm in the wilderness and the only thing I have to worry about when I wake up is finding an animal and harvesting it. <laughs> like it's just, and like as backcountry hunters, we get to experience like a closeness like that. That, and I don't, I don't know if anybody else really gets that, like like we do. You know? No, I and I I can say, it, you know, and it might sound, um, you know, it, like like I've. I've done a lot of ski mountaineering. I've, I've climbed, you know, I've done some glacial climbs, you know, glacial mountains. Um, I've rock climbed Alpine routes, regular routes. I've, I've done some deep trail runs where I'm, you know, 20, 30 miles deep. Um, but all those pursuits, 
none of i think the aspect of hunting um you know trying to fill freezers or harvest as well as the joy i think not joy but the the satisfaction that comes with with a successful harvest i mean yeah uh, i mean i think we're kidding ourselves if it's like oh it's all about the meat it is it is a lot about the meat but it's right. not all about the meat and i think hunters yeah. kid themselves when they're they 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 kind of uh, portray that that in what i think is is more of a, a politically correct uh methodology or or way of expressing yourself but um that aspect added to the challenge and adventure and the far off or the closeness to wherever mm -hmm. you're hunting i think it does honestly i think it is a full circle culmination of all activities where whereas yeah. you know me i've spent you know five six days on a glacier climbing a mountain and and i mean you're out there and you know the mountain can swallow you up or the mountain can avalanche you down or you know an ice fall could break open and you die and and there's certainly an aspect of like this you know you against nature and you're surviving and and i feel a closeness to 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 god and the, my creator at that point too but it's not it's it's a very selfish pursuit i suppose um whereas hunting is definitely has some selfish aspects to it but there's also this um you know, the idea of bringing home something yeah. that is shared, uh, yeah. that's not just adventure and, and stories, but it's, it's a meat, it's the meat yeah. and it's the, the animal. I think, I don't know, without trying to get too, uh, you know, pontificate and, and get too expressive, it's, mm -hmm. it's an, it's an awesome thing. I mean, that's why yeah. I love hunting so dang much. And it's really taken over all passions that, that I, that I've had before in my life. Yeah. It's, you're stacking so many things like the physical challenge, the mental challenge, the spiritual connection, mm -hmm. the time outside, the camaraderie with your hunting partner or whatever. Like, like you said, the providing for your family, it's just like so many things stacked on top. It's just, it's, it's just so much more than a hobby, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. One thing I had with, uh, with that mountain going hunt with Tim, um, and this was a unique experience because usually, I mean, you know, when you, when you go on a hunt, and maybe it's maybe it's not as unique uh, like if someone was if you were filming a hunt because then then it's like you're filming and the hunt's not about you but um for the two for the three days i think it was three days that tim was basically the the hunter and i was i i literally was a guest on the mountain and so i i uh you know we'd sit down and glass and i would glass intently and i was you know i was part of the search but I wasn't, I wasn't in the hunting mindset. So I was literally just like, I mean, there was, there was times I'd be 50 yards behind those guys, just kind of meandering, uh, <laughs> <getting> flowers, uh, <laughs> taking pictures of this and that, and kind of checking out interesting rocks. I mean, it was almost like sightseeing, which was completely like new to me, um, foreign yeah. to any other hunt I'd been on. Um, and there were multiple times that the, the assistant guide, he would kind of look back be like, dude, where are you? And then I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm coming. Um, <laughs> and it was just, it was really relaxing. And, yeah. uh, the second that Tim killed his goat, I mean, we're talking like the moment that I knew that he had killed, cause he didn't, he didn't, I didn't see it happen. I was, we were just kind of hunkered down waiting for him and the guide to come back from this stock and he didn't play like. I mean, he played like nothing had happened. So we just kind of hiked down around these cliffs and then boom, there his goat was. But from the second I realized he, he had got his goat down, I switched. I was like, okay, I'm in hunting mode now. Now it's yeah, my turn. Like, 
yeah and the guy literally was like okay start glassing that mountainside over there we're gonna we're gonna start looking for goats for you nice yeah but up until game on up until that point i was just kind of it was it was unique i never had a a hunting experience like that before yeah it's different it's it's like kind of like the pressure's off Mm -hmm. and then it's like go time yeah you know so that's cool man um you mentioned like you know how your faith is a big a big part of your life and stuff like that and just listening to your story um you know with with black ovis and camo fire and everything and you know i'll say too i I heard in depth your story which is available on other podcasts and stuff like that um but there were many times where and i always think this is interesting where we're on the path and we're trying to put one foot in front of the other and do the next right thing to grow our business or in family or in hunting or whatever Um, but for whatever reason we get off the path or we we get off the path we think we're supposed to be on but it turns out that you're on the exact right path and God is in control and has this plan for you. So it seems like that's happened a lot for you, maybe in hunting and in, in your career. Could you just touch on that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, um, I, you know, my career has been a really interesting one, um, in that, you know, I studied physical therapy. I want to be a physical therapist. That was kind of my goal. Hmm. That was my goal. And I studied that in school. I did a four year degree and then was, uh, getting ready to apply for, uh, graduate schools and uh, through a series of just some some physical therapists I was working for and then uh, a guy that that had hired me as a ski instructor I was a ski instructor in high school and during college um, he just happened to mention like you know one day he said hey Kendall what are you uh, what are your plans and I was like oh I'm gonna graduate from college and this is kind of right at the end of the ski season right I'm going to graduate from college and then I'm going to go to grad school and become a physical therapist. And he was like, Oh man. And he kind of was all bummed out. I'm like, why? What's up, Alan? It's like, man, we always lose the good ones. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, dude, you're the kind of person we need in this industry. And mm-hmm. I said, Oh, what, what's going on? He's like, well, there's no, there's an opening down in uh, sales and marketing and I want you to go apply. He goes, I thought you'd be a good fit for that. And I kind of perked up like, Whoa, you know, kind of like, fear of loss but i thought well it's not really my direction i interviewed for that position but didn't get it Hmm. um and then later that summer the director of sales called you know and i was i had already started on a trajectory that would be like kind of not really a career but a job that would manage like i could still teach skiing in the winters and work a summer job and that was that was what i determined hey i can feed my family um this is how i'm gonna you know function and then you know, out of nowhere, I get, you know, this guy calls, talks to my wife because we it was just called our home phone. And he's like, and she set up an interview for me. And then boom, <laughs> I, you know, I show up this interview and get this job. And, and so now my life takes a completely different direction. Um, you know, losing my job uh, later on, I lost, you know, a, a crazy thing. There's, there's, I've had, as I look back, like I, I had a, it was like four years into my career at, at the ski resort. Um, I, I had done a ton of sales. I was in, I was a sales manager and, and absolutely crushed my sales goal. And I was, I was, I was due based on the sales plan and the compensation plan. I was, you know, I think I was probably making, I don't know, 35,000 a year at that time, not a ton of money. Um, and I think my, my, my bonus was supposed to be upwards of around $30,000. It was going to be mm. huge. Cause I had absolutely just annihilated the sales goals 
in a way that that even the president of the company was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, this is my plan and this is what I executed on. And he's like, oh my gosh. Well, the VP of sales, um, he was like, I don't know if we can pay out this big of a bonus. Like this is, this is huge. Well, what happened, <laughs> what happened is they ended up firing my boss, the director of sales. They were, they let him go. I was, I was at a trade show or at a ski show in Boston. I got a phone call. I said, Hey, we, you know, Bob's no longer working for us and I'm going to be the, you know, I'm going to take the place and we're re we're going to redo the bonus structure. And so what was going to be basically the, my opportunity to buy a, buy a home in park city or buy a piece of land and build a home in park city, um, became, you know, like a $5,000 bonus, which, you know, basically mm. was, you know, like a slap in the face. And so I'm like, yeah, wait a second. Like in sort of, in a, in a way I was like, God, why, why are you, why is this happening to me? This is, this is not fair. Like I, I I'm a, I'm a good person. I do the best I can. I try to pe treat people fairly. Like, why is this going backwards for me? This is, this is not right. Like, right. God, if you're there, why are you allowing injustices to happen in my life? And, you know, he knows better than we do what, totally what we need. And it's hard sometimes to have the faith to trust that. Um, you know, I, I kept that job. I worked for a year as the director of sales, the interim director of sales felt I earned it. All my salespeople s surpassed their goals. Um, and getting ready for the next year to start, you know, budgeting for, you know, and I was like, well, I'm going to get the official title. It's going to get the raise with it. I'll be a director of sales. I was envisioning, I'm never going to leave the ski industry. And, and I think had I gotten that bonus and then had I gotten that director of sales position, I don't think I would have ever left the ski industry. I absolutely love skiing and it's, and anyone that knows me yeah. knows that was a passion, but I think God had different plans for me. And totally. And some people may say, no, no, God didn't have different plans for you. They just made a different decision. And it's like, well, at what point do you stop trusting that God is involved in the process of, of, of your life uh, to, to be able to, you know, sometimes people say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Well, I don't personally believe in coincidences. I think that's why God influences our lives totally. in an unexplainable way. And so we sometimes explain that away as it was just a coincidence that yeah. I felt like I needed to call somebody and, and I just followed through on that prompting. And then I called them and they were like, I've had the most terrible day of my life. And I was just hoping someone would call and I can't believe you called. And I'm like, I can't believe I called either. <laughs> yeah. So I lost yeah. that. I lost that, that position, um, left the ski resort, left the ski industry, went to work in the e-commerce industry. Um, and three years later, three years later, I was, I was let go from a job that I loved, felt I was doing a great job at. And once again, I remember making a phone call to my friend Jules, who, uh, he was one of the guys that, that he was a president of pro bar. I don't know if you've ever eaten a pro bar before, mm. uh, meal replacement bars. Um, and I don't know if I actually have, oh yeah, they're delicious. You should try. Well, I wouldn't like choose that over a steak dinner, but, uh, but if I'm in the <laughs> mountains, it's a dang good, yeah. dang good option. I'll check him out. But, you know, again, I remember calling him and saying, I mean, I remember, I remember exactly where I was when I called him and said, man, I lost my job. And he's like, sweet. Why don't you come do some work <laughs> for us? Um, and I ended up picking them up as a client, but I remember him saying, you know, sometimes 
you don't see what God sees and this may mm -hmm. be exactly what you need. And I was like, dude, how can you, I've got four kids at home and mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I wasn't making that much money anyways. And a, in a new home that we had just kind of re we take an old home and rebuilt it. I'm like, you know, once again, I was kind of at a crossroads of like, God, what the, this is hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we have to trust that he knows and trust that he has empowered us with enough strength to get through anything if we'll just lean on him. And that's been, I mean, I've just shared three different instances, but that's been repetitive throughout my entire career and my, my life. And, and I think, you know, it's just, you know, I'm finally learning, you know, I'm 49 and I'm finally figuring out like, okay, this is how God speaks to me and this is how I can trust him. Yeah. And it's like, man, why didn't I figure that out when I was 18? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's so good. And the, like the trust piece is huge. And, and also just um, taking action and follow, following that inner voice that, that God puts in you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you, you mentioned too about uh, when, you know, you became the distributor for Crispy. You had an opportunity, long story short, but you had an opportunity to kind of just get some boots and, and offload them real quick to recoup some losses. But you saw that that would damage their brand and, and that even though it might from maybe a worldly perspective might not have looked like the best thing to do. You kind of had their best interest at heart and you listened to that voice inside and said, Hey, no, let's take the hit on this and, and look at the long term, like respect this company. And you kind of listened to that inner voice mm -hmm. and that turned out to be huge. So it's yeah. kind of like, um, trusting, doing the right thing, listening to that, that inner voice and, and taking action. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like it, um, um, I think when you put, you know, you put others, sometimes when you put others first, like it pays off in dividends. I think most of the time when you put others first, it pays off in dividends. Yeah. And even when it doesn't, I think sometimes you may have, you know, there's meaning to be found, but, but, uh, in that instance, um, you know, I recognized how much, um, you know, both, um, uh, Alessandro, the, the founder of crispy, I rail, I recognized this is their entire life, this brand. Yeah. And they've put their entire life into this brand. And, and if I do this thing, if, if we, if Mark, if Mark and I, if we buy these boots and simply just sling them just to get our, just the immediate gratification of, of paying ourselves back the money that was stolen from us. Um, it, it doesn't solve the problem that they're in. And it's right. like, I have the, I have the ability to help solve this problem. So yeah, that's, that's the best direction. I'm going to set aside yeah. my own personal, uh, needs at that time. Um, you know, I had lost a lot of money and so had Mark and it was, you know, it was basically all I had in savings. We had kind of gambled everything on this, this deal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it turns out that was the right thing to do. Yeah, man. And I think, um, another thing that I've heard you mention a couple of times, which is like, you know, I, I'm condensing it, but basically ideas and dreams are great, but what really matters in the, the day is action. Right. And, yeah. um, and I think part of the reason maybe that, uh, you were able to make some decisions like that in your career, some hard decisions, but that were ended up being the right decision was because you had cultivated that trust, that inner voice, whatever it is, uh, from God through your, your faith. Would you say so? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's well, well stated. Um, 
you know, the other back, you know, what you first said, ideas and dreams are, are what feed us. I mean, that's, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a rut or you're in a job that you just, just hate, I mean, you know, or you're in a, in a place in life that you're just like, man, I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. You know, that's one of the things that hunting is so enjoyable is that you, you dream about it. You think about it. You, you've, you've like, well, this year I'm going to do this and this to make this experience all the more better, yeah. all the more fulfilling. I mean, ideas and dreams are, are what feed us, uh, especially I think I, you know, I hope this isn't come across wrong, but I think men uh, in general, like we need that ability to like fantasize or dream about oh, totally. what can be. I think women are often more pragmatic and, and good, <laughs> yeah. good on them. Cause they keep us grounded. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, dude, all those dreams and such aren't, they're not going to matter a, a, a single bit unless you just get after it and act and, yeah. and just forge forward. And sometimes you step into the dark and that's where you have to trust yourself and trust the people that are you know around you as well as trust God that like the, the light, the pathway will become illuminated as you step forward. Um, yeah. And that's a super hard thing to do. And we've done that in this business. Uh, you know, Mark and I didn't know anything, you know, we didn't know, I, I think I said before, we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. Um, but we knew enough to be dangerous. And so we just were like, let's just forge forward. Just and you do that it. sometimes hunting. I, we talked, I talked to guys all the time that are like, I've never gone out West to hunt. I mean, I live, I live in Utah, grew up in Oregon, you know, walking into the mountains by myself, you know, for a couple of days or, or a day and a night and a day to hunt is no big deal. I don't even flinch at that. Yeah. Um, whereas a guy from, you know, where you're at Florida or Tennessee might be like, uh, I'd never do that, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, man, you can do this. Like it's, it's unknown. It's hard. It's a mystery. It's, it's, it's yeah. terribly frightening, but you got this, like you can, yeah. and I talk to guys all the time that call up asking about boots or asking about what gear they should buy. And they're, and they're, they're scared or they're, or they're excited, but they're like, it's like, Hey man, you don't need to know everything to pull off this hunt. Yeah. And it's the same yeah. way with, with, you know, a lot of things like you don't need to know everything to pull yeah. off your dream just just get after and do it yeah and you'll learn even if you fail along the way you'll learn and that's that's kind of what i um was blessed to be able to do with this alaska trip last year and i tell guys i'm like just book a trip like six months out and like just like it's the point of no return and then you got six months to get your butt in shape get what you need <laughs> just like take that little leap click that little uh book you know book that that plane ticket like i did and then dude, it just launched me into this whole another world of, of fitness. And, and it was just like a, a rebirth. Yeah. You know? There's a, I was, I've been reading a, bo a book called, uh, I hate running and you can too. <laughs> and the hate is spelled with H and then a heart symbol T E it's by a, a guy. Oh, I can't remember his name. He has a, he has a blog. Uh, Oh, Brennan, Brennan is his name. Um, Leonard. And he, he has a blog called semi rad and it's a cool blog. He's, he's all about trail running and kind of, he's very much in the outdoor industry. Um, but this little book and I love to run, but the book is so much more than just running. I think, yeah. I think everyone should read it. Honestly, it's, it's been super interesting, but one to, to your point, one of the chapters and the book is like, I mean, you could, you could read it in two sittings easily or one sitting if you're a fast reader, 
but in that he has a section that talks about uh you know for a runner these big races are he calls it the thing he's like just sign up for the thing yeah and then do whatever it takes to be ready for the date when the thing happens and yeah. in your case the thing is the caribou hunt just you know, you, you can talk about it until all your friends are sick of hearing you talk about it and your wife too, or you can just, just flat out book it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've told a couple of friends that are, that are serious about doll sheep hunt. I'm like, if you think you have the money or you could come up with the money, just book it Yeah. because it's going to be a couple of years out. You know, the most, most good guides are booked a year or two out. So just book that dang hunt, partition off whatever funds you, you, you know, you have accessibility to, and just do it because you'll just keep regretting it. And your wife will probably get sticky hearing you say like one of these days, yeah. your best buddy will get sick, sick of hearing you say, man, one of these days. It's like, nah, today is, is one of those days. Yeah. Just go for it. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, and you know, you kind of mentioned it already, but just like, don't wait if you sit there and just wait till everything's perfect, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to book it till I lose 50 pounds or I'm not going to book it till I save up X amount of money. It's kind of like those people who are like, well, I'm going to wait till I have a house and I'm ready. Then I'll have a kid. It's like, dude, life just happens. Like don't wait for perfection. Just send it. Isn't that the truth? Like I remember, I remember talking to my wife, trying to talk her out of us having kids. Cause I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't quote unquote ready. Oh, you'll never be ready ever. You will no. never be ready. <laughs> I have two kids. kids and I'm still not ready. <laughs> like, Man, you know, I got kids that are starting to move, you know, getting ready to move out. And it's like, I'm not ready for that either. And I was, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, you, you won't be ready. You'll never, you'll never be ready. You just have to trust. And, 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 uh, and you'll find like, you'll find, if it means enough to you, you'll find a way to figure it out. Uh, yeah. You know, if having a family means enough to you, you know, just be smart about it, but dive in, like yeah, dive in. Uh, if, if going on that hunt is, is means enough to you, just, just, just sign up for it, put in, you know, buy the tag, put in the, you know, the application, whatever, whatever the step it is required for that. Um, yeah. And I, I remember I, I was out in Colorado I was hiking out and I, I'd killed a, uh, a little raghorn bull. Um, my buddies had to hike out before me and we were, I don't know, eight or nine miles in. Um, and I was hiking down the trail and I was, uh, um, you know, I've got, you know, I'm head to toe Sitka. I've got the Mr. Ranch backpack. I've got all the best gear that basically anyone can buy. Um, and I've got a couple llamas to help me carry the rest of the gear and the, nice. and, the and the, the elk, you know, the elk out. And I came upon these two guys and they, they, I don't know where they were from, but they had a Southern access accent and they're like, Whoa, y'all got one. And I'm like, yeah. And, and, you know, we started chatting and I looked at these guys and I was like, they were in literally like Walmart camo, yeah. um, just terrible. Like from a technical standpoint, their, their clothing and their gear, the one guy had a backpack that it, it, in my opinion, it looked like, like a giant school backpack, like no technicality to it. It looked like he was absolutely crushing his shoulders. Um, but these dudes were the happiest. Just yeah. we're going to go get after it dudes yeah. that I'd ever run into in the mountains. And they, they had just, and they remember they, they told me, man, we've been dreaming of this hunt for so long. We just said, Hey, we're just going to jump in and do it anyways. Yeah. And I, 
honestly, I left, I, I was at the end of a long trip. I think it was like day nine. Um, and it was get, you know, I had an impending like thunderstorm that was just about ready to just annihilate me. Um, <laughs> that I ended up, I ended up kind of hunkering down for about a half hour and just got soaked to the bone. And these, uh, I, I will never, ever forget these guys. They lifted me, my spirits uh, yeah. in a way and gave me so much, like, I was so excited for them, but they had no business being there, but they had all, all the business or all the reasons for being there. If you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier, like hard is good. And people will probably relate to this, but like, usually when you look back on a trip or an experience, like the most memorable stuff that you tell stories about is the stuff that in the moment like sucked. Mm -hmm. And like those guys aren't going to remember like, Oh, well we didn't have good gear and we didn't that like, they'll just remember it as awesome adventure, you know? Oh yeah. We were in Colorado chasing elk and they were bugling and it rained on us. And yeah. I mean, these we guys... saw this yuppie in Sitka gear with llamas. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Some fancy rich guy or whatever. It's like, no, I'm not a rich guy. Just spend a lot of money on gear. But it, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it is interesting how you, in the moment, the heart is, is like the, you know, excruciating sometimes, but it's what, it's yeah. what you, it makes, it's what makes stories stories. Yeah. It's what makes good, you know, stories, good stories. And, and yeah. it's what you savor for the longest time. You don't remember all the easy stuff. Cause yeah. And don't let your it. fear stop you from, from making those stories. You know, you only got one life to live. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, yeah. Hunting for me is, um, has, you know, I, I grew up hunting and then drifted away from it. Didn't hunt for gosh, a good 15, eight, 16 years. Um, and, uh, you know, coming back to hunting in the last 12, 13 years has been just like a coming home. And it's been this, it, it's, it's, it's taught me a lot of life stories. It's helped me recognize a lot of things that I had experienced in life. And then to the point of the, you know, the hard, it, it's, it's been a hard journey. Um, mm. and it's been, you know, one I'm, you know, I regret that I didn't do that in my late, in my twenties and thirties, yeah. early thirties, but, um, super grateful that I've kind of come back to that. Yeah, man. Um, well, one thing I always like to ask guys that are, you know, um, that I look up to that are successful in business, you know, in family life, hunting, uh, physicality, because are you still training for that hundred miler? Are you going to do that? So I actually backed out of that hundred miler. Okay. Um, I had, uh, my training kind of imploded some things around that. out of my, uh, yeah, it's, it happened. The poison Ivy incident. Poison Ivy. Then, uh, <laughs> I, I had a weird calf like muscle tear oh, okay. that like my my leg ballooned up and they actually thought I had blood clot and then Ooh. then I went on this backpacking trip and got vertigo like came home and had vertigo mm. for like five days um so I, yeah just like if it's not one thing it's the other is the next yeah. but I've I'm I'm super psyched and I'm going to be uh, I'll be signing up for that that race next year okay um, well anyway so you're going to be doing a hundred miler yeah. and you are a distance runner. And so I just, I want to know, like, um, you know, for a guy that from the outside looking in has a pretty good balance going of, you know, successful career, you know, you have four kids, is that right? Five. Five kids, you know, um, staying in great shape, hunting, doing a lot of stuff. How do you structure your days? Like, um, like what does a day look like for you that, you know, you're able to do all this and, and, uh, and be successful? Oh, um, good question and it's not 
what what I'll, I'll tell you what my ideal day is and what I try to live by. Yeah. Um, know that uh, that you know stuff happens. Just like sure, planning, you know, training for this race, uh, stuff gets in the way, and that it's it's how you adjust to those things that that matter most. And that's sure. not just the big things, but the small things. So each, um, I'm usually up between. Uh, well, it depends. If, uh, it's my spin class on th- Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, that's at 5 a.m. So I'm usually up just a little bit before that. On quote unquote a normal day, I'm usually up between 5:30 and 6. Um, and I usually start. I try to start my day with uh, read from the scriptures for you know 10, 15 minutes, and then I read from uh, Discipline Equals Freedom. Um, nice. And then I'm off to the gym. I go to the gym, work out. And then I'm back uh, on most days I'm into the office uh, either at eight for meetings, uh, Tuesday, Wednesdays, we have meetings at eight, or I try to be here by eight 30. Uh, my employees will, will probably laugh because there's sometimes I'll roll in at nine. Um, <laughs> and that might be cause I'll, you know, take the girls to school or hang out with my wife for a little bit. Like this morning, she and I just sat and chatted for a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't do the whole, like, uh, leave. I don't typically leave, leave the office for lunch. I'm pretty much heads down. I'll either eat at my desk or, or my son actually works for, for us. So I'll, you know, I'll grab lunch, you know, we'll, we'll just eat something in the break room. Um, yeah. and then I, I mean, I work a ton. Don't, 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 don't think that I have this enchanted life where I've got this perfect balance. Um, sure. I'm usually here until six thirty-seven. Probably get home between seven seven thirty. Um, my neighbors will attest that I I get more stuff done with a headlamp than I do without. <laughs> so I jump into uh, you know dinner or whatever whatever the family's got going on. If my daughters have soccer games and I'm made the commitment to get to those, uh, you know if sometimes I miss them. Sometimes I'm there. Um, I'm not the perfect dad, you know, soccer dad or or. Sure whatever. So, um, you know, and then just, uh, usually I, I, I can't sit still. It's probably one of my faults. Um, you know, like my wife was sitting there doing a puzzle with my son last night and I was like, don't y'all have something better to do? <laughs> but she recognizes like she's, she can slow down and focus on some of the things yeah. that are most important, which is family. And I, I sometimes lose sight of that and yeah, I'm too busy getting some project done in the yard or, or, fixing this or tweaking you know tinkering with gear or or whatever um yeah so that's kind of a, a normal day for me and i'm usually i have an alarm that goes off at 9 30 that kind of tells me like hey it's time to start prepping but sometimes uh, usually probably between 10 around 10 30 uh, 11 i'm a lights out and nice I'm man. started again so but i'm you know i tr- it's i i probably i focus probably a little bit too much on work i work a little bit too much um need to switch that and I've, I've done some things within the last couple of years to try and refocus uh time on family um yeah you know my church commitments have not been as as taxing the last uh six seven years i served in i was in a couple of uh, volunteer positions in my in my uh, congregation where cool. uh, it demanded a lot of time from me actually over yeah. the last nine years um it's been pretty demanding so this last you know, the last seven, eight months has been kind of liberating. I've had a yeah. little bit more, more me time, but one thing that, uh, that my, uh, like our, our leader of our kind of local area, he's called a stake president because uh, it's part of the organization in my church. He said to me, and, and it's counsel that I probably haven't heeded as much, but he said, 
you have to be extremely deliberate on how you fill your time now that your your position in in your local congregation is being changed and you're no longer going to have that time like sh that strain pulling you and i found yeah. that to be super true that time will fill up with whatever um like if you quit that job or you quit that extra thing you're doing your time is going to automatically fill up with something it mm -hmm. may be wasted in spending more time on youtube or social media or it may be <laughs> that you start start you pick up a hobby that pulls you away from your family but you're gonna you're gonna fill that time with just whatever unless you're deliberate about it so that's that's one of the things i'm trying to still improve on and do better is being very deliberate about how i um execute the, the hours of my day um, absolutely and trying to balance those better than i have uh yeah. in family and work yeah you definitely gotta prioritize what's important and cut the excess and but it sounds like you're you're on a good path man i mean like with you know you're prioritizing your your physical health your mental health spiritual health getting your work done and, and working the family in there too of course so that's yeah that's i cool, have man, so. i haven't arrived don't uh don't put me on a pedestal <laughs> yet but uh it's hey it's the we're all getting there yeah i think it's just i think you recognize if you if you if you're mature enough to recognize to yourself and quit lying to yourself and just say hey listen i'm not perfect but i want to be and it's okay. Like if I, if I'm going to seek perfection in this life, um, just know you're never going to attain it, yeah. but, but there's, there's progress and there's, I think, uh, reality. The reality is, is, is that progress or that, yeah. that, that searching for betterment. Yeah. Even though perfection doesn't ever come, uh, it, that that's worth every ounce of focus that you can muster. Yeah, progress, not perfection. 100%. And just yeah. defining what and who you want to be and just striving for it every day. You knowing you're gonna fall short sometimes, but just continuing on to try to get there. Yeah. Um, I mean I look at like guy I mean you you had Dan Staten on and I'm like, that guy's an animal. I mean, from the outside looking in, I'm sure it looks like like the guy is the most well balanced person I know. But I'm sure there's you know, he has stuff just like you and I that's sure. He's like, God oh, dang, I I, I can't believe I didn't get that done. And I, that's so yeah. elementary and I should have done that. Yeah. We all, we all look better from the outside looking in, but, uh, but I yeah, recognize man. my weaknesses and I'm working on them. Uh, yeah. So I, I will be mad at myself if I don't ask you at least one boot question. Oh, since... bring it on. <laughs> I love talking boots. Okay, cool. Um, and, uh, are you okay on time? hundred percent. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Um, so yeah, you're the crispy guy, um, which is awesome. Um, just real quick, my history. So I started doing some research before my last trip and decided that I was going to invest in some quality boots. I got a pair of guides okay. with actually fairly minimal research, to be totally honest. And here, here's the thing. I come from like lowland swamp. Like I've spent more time hunting below sea level than like above it <laughs> like literally like when we go hunting we wear knee-high rubber boots that's like the standard so i knew nothing nothing about like mountain footwear like even like an eight-year-old kid that grew up in utah probably knows more just absorbed into his brain about like mountain footwear than i knew <laughs> last year so um so anyway i got a pair of guides 
which they're great boots. Just for me, they don't, I found they don't work because they're just too stiff for me. They're too heavy for me. Um, and I was so ignorant. I even had a, like basically a size, maybe a size and a half too big, but I wore those in Alaska and I got blisters and it was terrible. And I got back home and realized these things change the entire way I walk because it's just how stiff they are. And that's great for certain situations, certain people, but this year I ordered a pair of Laponias and a pair of the new Ativa mids. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to try them both, see which one I like, and I'll return them. So now I have two pairs of boots because I couldn't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, that being Thank said, you. I, I appreciate that. We love repeat <laughs> multiple boot customers. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and Krispies hold their resale value too. I mean, I sold the guides for a pretty good recoup but anyway yeah um i love the i love the laponias and the tivas um but i found for me i need very light very flexible um and that's and those are great for that so but what were what are like top two or three things that you would say to a guy who was where i was who's just ignorant about boots in general and like fit and which ones to go with and that kind of thing what are some of your top advice for boots yeah, good, good question. The, so, um, first off, let me ask you a question on your, on your guides. Why do you think that you chose, uh, what you, what you now know is, a, is too big of a size? Like what was part of your thought process into, yeah, okay. I need this particular size when, when you found out the reality was I didn't need to upsize. I think again this is like i was so so ignorant um and just the fact of not being able to go somewhere and talk to somebody who knows about the boots and try on different sizes and honestly just being undisciplined and wanting to like get them fast and get them broken in because i'd kind of wait in a little long mm-hmm. um but i think part of it was i tried i tried one size and when i and again, we have very limited topography here, but there's one area where I found some a little bit of hilliness I could test them on. And when I would go on the downhills, my my feet would slide up and touch the top of the toe box. And I think in my mind, that was saying they're too small because my toe is touching. But probably they were too big because my foot was sliding up into there. Right. I don't. Right. I don't know exactly. But then anyway, I ended up with a twelve. But realized through this this year, I literally I picked the two styles I want. I then I ordered the sizes that I was pretty sure I was, and then half size on either side. So I ordered like six <laughs> pairs of boots, and it was scary. Um, I returned the other ones, but anyway, yeah, your um, credit card looked a little hot for a moment there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that it's a little scary, but you have to you kind of have to do that, especially so anyway. if you live where you where you do where there, there yeah. just isn't a, there isn't a place where you can go to try on boots, and that's no, it's and unfortunate, so, but it is what it is in, in yeah. a lot of cases. And I even my Laponias are a half size smaller than my Ativas, but they both fit. No, that's that. So okay, let, let's talk boot sizing. Um. In our entire line, the Ativa is the only boot or shoe, depending on kind of how you categorize the Ativa. The Ativa mid, I would say, is a hybrid. Uh, the Ativa low is definitely a shoe. Yeah. Um, those 
are the only ones that we recommend people steering away from their natural size. So it's not, it's not, uh, doesn't strike me as odd that you would have a, the Ativa being smaller. Yeah. I wear an 11 half in all of our boots. I wear an 11 in the Ativa. Yeah. Um, but the, um, Back to but the, I, the, I found the Laponias. I'm wearing like an 11 now, and uh-huh. my guides are a 12. And I realized like those are just too big. Man, that was a recipe for for disastrous. You yeah. recognize, and <laughs> and if you to anyone that has a boot that's too big, one remedy that that I've seen because uh, and I and I figured this out from a guy um, that that has two different size feet. He has like an 11 and a 12. So wow. in his in his uh, in, he has to buy a, a set of 12s in his 11 he puts two insoles Mm. he'll take an insole out of one shoe and put it in with the second insole is it perfect no but it it, in his instance he he doesn't have a choice unless he wants to drop 800 dollars on one pair right and then just basically throw away two singles but um what a lot of guys would do so one one quick question is your is your what's your street size um it's usually 11 on a pair of running shoes or 11 or 11 and a half okay and um, so, I think like guys like me that are super ignorant, or at least I, where I was, I was so concerned about like the toe box. That's the only thing I knew about fit. You know what I mean? I wasn't right. thinking about where the flex was or anything. But anyway, yeah, so, I wear usually an eleven. So it, it it strikes me it it's interesting that you would end up with a twelve and think, yeah, <laughs> this is gonna work um, because what you know I think that there, I get the question a lot. There's the guys that are like. Well, I'm an 11, you know, most every shoe, but, uh, you know, these are going to be hunting boots. So they've categorized, like, there's the, there's the asterisk. These are going to be hunting boots, so I better go up to an 11 and a half. It's like, yeah. huh? Why? I yeah. don't, like, why? Who, who made this the, you know, the, the, the part of, the, like, the, the ritual that you would just automatically <laughs> half-size up? And the yeah. guy's like, well, I'm going to wear a thick sock, so I should wear, I should get an 11 and a half or maybe even a 12. It's like, no, bro, hold on a second. First off, in in cold weather, I go from a light hiker to a mid cushion sock, what I would call a mid, you know, a mid, mid weight. Um, mm-hmm. Once you go to a heavyweight sock, like, like we're talking like full on, like the type of socks I wear when I'm wet weight, when I'm, uh, you know, fishing, wearing my waders, or I'm I'm going duck hunting and I'm wearing my waders, um, yeah. where there's a ton of room, right? Like your your muck boots or whatever whatever the equivalent is, um, you can get away with throwing on a super thick sock and you're still somewhat swimming. Yeah. Um, the thing is though about about sizing, when guys size up, they think, oh, I'm going to put on a thicker sock to stay warm, and what happens? You end up taking up all that space. And so that your feet, your your feet no longer can heat the air around your foot because there isn't any air to be heated and you actually get colder faster. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think maybe that's one reason why guys have said, let's go up in size so I can accommodate for all these what if situations. Yeah. It's like, hey, you just don't understand uh, the value of of a lightweight or a midweight sock is really all you need with a high performance boot. And you don't need to, you don't have to, all those guys have done the liner plus the second sock. Um, and that's a, certainly a strategy if you have some blistering and things like that, but back to sizing it's, um, sizing is the, is the main, th- you know, it is obviously the, the, you have to have the sizing so dialed because you want to be able to put on the boot and just disappear into the mountains and forget that your boots are even there and just perform. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, the biggest thing is, is 
go off of what your street shoe, your normal street shoe is. Now, if you're, if you're the kind of guy that wears like a work boot every day, don't go off your work boot because work boots are sized all sorts of, you know, there's differences across all brands. But if you're going to put on a Nike, for example, I mean, it's everyone has owned a pair of Nikes at some point in their life. Um, you know, if you have a pair of running shoes or just a pair of Vans or whatever you wear when you're not yeah, doing physical fitness or whatever the case may be, then if you're an 11 and basically everything, you're going to 85, 90% of the time, you're going to be 11 and crispy. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what you wear in Zamblin or, 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 you know, Hey, in the Zamblin, I'm a 46, but in crispy, uh, I'm a, you know, the, the 46 is too big. It's like, well, yeah. Cause the conversion to us sizes isn't always exactly the same, hmm. um, you know, brand to brand. So sizing, absolutely. Uh, you know, go with your normal size. The second thing is that I tell guys to, to think about is, is how are you lacing your boots? Um, like in your case where you said, I think the boot was too big and my foot was sliding forward. Um, some guys, man, they crank the heck out of their boots. It's like, oh, my oh yeah, gosh, I was doing toe, that too. Your toes are probably like losing feeling. It's like, that, yeah, that's no way to live. Um, I was cranking them so tight, like the tendon, because I was compensating for being too big. The tendons on the top of my foot like couldn't move and like. Oh, man, yeah. like my the tops of my feet would just be sore by the end of the day. Like it was bad. Yeah. So getting the right lacing system, uh, you know, figuring out like, Hey, I don't have to pressure the, the toe box area, but because like of our, our lacing and like on, on the lower Tibet, for example, they have a lockdown lace, like halfway through, it's like you can differentiate the upper from the lower, you know, crank it down in that ankle area a little bit so that you lock the heel in place in the heel pocket, but you don't have to basically just, you know, put a noose around your, your forefoot where your toes are. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is, uh, foot alignment or footbed. <clears throat> Do I think it's uh, necessary for for everyone to go get custom orthotics, like you know the most expensive sheep feet, sheep feet for example, or the most expensive? I use Surefoot, which is a, a ski boot company. Um, they do custom orthotics for ski boots. They also do them for running shoes, and I've I've got a couple pairs of them. Um, I've got them in all my ski boots, my backcountry, and my resort boots. Uh, no, those those are like two two hundred fifty three hundred dollars. Um, you don't need that. Um, and some feet will add, will some guys like I've never worn an insole. Why should I wear an insole now? Yeah. Some of the reason is, is, and then, and then I will say, if you've never worn an insole before and you jump into an insole, don't be surprised if your foot is achy yeah. after the first one, two, three, four times you're using them, because what's happening is you've gone in your entire life without any sort of arch support right. or heel positioning. <laughs> And now your foot is being automatically repositioned by uh, something that's inside the boot. Yeah, you got to get used to that. Yeah, and all of a sudden your foot is like, "Hey, this is a position I'm not used to." So now my muscles and my te you know tendons are having to you know compensate, and it's putting stress on ligaments and tendons and bones. Maybe are, are in a place they're not they haven't been before. Yeah. Um, so don't be surprised by that. But secondly. Uh, getting good alignment in a foot, in, in your foot, whether you have a high arch, low arch, standard arch, having good support. And more importantly, in my opinion, uh, having good heel positioning, um, having that be you know, like centered and in kind of a deep heel cup is, is so advantageous to the overall long-term performance of a boot. 
um, that I do recommend it quite often. Um, but those are just kind of the three things I would say, knowing your sizing, going off of what you normally do, um, you know, lacing, playing around with, be, be willing to play around with lacing and do things outside the box. And, um, you know, I've seen, there's a lot of examples. In fact, we've got an article on our, on our blog on crispy, uh, crispyus.com that has like some different lacing, uh, has a diagram that shows all these different lacing things. And then third is, is be willing to, or consider putting in a, in a aftermarket insole that will reposition your foot into a neutral, neutral position so that your foot can perform uh, long-term in, in a better situation. Um, nice. Okay. Kind of my first three, but, but literally it's, it's interesting to hear you say the guide was too stiff. Um, cause there's a lot of guys like, no, oh, that thing's like a moccasin. Um, <laughs> it's just cause what I'm used to, man. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I trained in, I trained in trail runners and I'm used to those mm-hmm. rubber boots. So like, uh, I just have to have something super light and flexible. Yeah. When I got, when I got back into hunting, I was, uh, I was like, no, I don't need a hunting boot. I'm just going to hunt trail runners. Like yeah, I can, I can traverse any mountain in a pair of trail runners. And that, you know, after two or three seasons, I kind of like, uh, you know, I'll try some boots. And then I felt clumpy. I felt like I was walking like Bigfoot through the, through the woods. I couldn't <laughs> yeah. stalk. I was just like, these are terrible. But I found like what's right for me and what, what, what is a balance. And, and right. some, the, the biggest thing with footwear is, is, just because somebody has recommended it or some guy says this boot is awesome for me does not mean it's going to be awesome for you. And feet totally. are so fickle. And uh, yeah, that's and the trap so I fell into. I think, I think I just kind of took some recommendations without really experimenting for myself. You know, that's kind of what I, I think. I think one thing, you know, if, if, if I was a guy out researching boots, I would start asking, you know, I would ask for recommendations. I think those are good. They're good places to start, but I would ask the recommender, like, what is it about that boot that worked for you? Or why did that work for you? Rather than just like, hey, man, what boot are you using? And they're like, oh, the Crispy Nevada. Sweet. I'm going to try that out. Like, be 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 interested in asking or be bold enough to ask those deeper questions. Like, why why did that boot work so good for you? What yeah. was it you were looking to accomplish? Or mm-hmm. what were you accustomed to? Like, in your case, what have you ever worn a mountain boot? Or have you just been a rubber boot guy your entire life? You know, all of a sudden you yeah. start to formulate, you know, and do that on 10 different guys and ask guys in forums and watch videos and then kind of decide, okay, this is a kind of athlete I've been or non-athlete I've been. This is the kind of hunting I've done and not done. This is the kind of terrain that I've, I remember that one time I was on that, you know, hot, you know, hiking up from that river up that to that bluff, you know, in, in, in Missouri and call oh, that was really hard because my boot my foot just wouldn't hold it's like okay so i i have some situations even though i have never been to the rocky mountains i can draw upon to say yeah okay i'm looking for footwear that will do x y and z um yeah oh cool man yeah well uh just Sorry last question on on. That was- no no that's awesome dude i appreciate it um just last question, I guess, like what's, what's next for you? What's on the horizon, whether it be business or hunting or life. And then, uh, where can people find you? Perfect. Um, business, business as usual, man, just, just plowing forward. We got a lot of, uh, a lot of rows left to, uh, to, to plow and to plant. And I think, uh, I mentioned last night when we were chat, you know, when I was on that, that discussion, um, I don't feel like I've arrived. And so we've got a lot to do. It's, it's, it's fun. And I still love coming to work and I still love what we do and all the different people we interact with. So very exciting. Um, you know, as far as business, um, 
personally for hunts this year, uh, going back to Colorado, it's kind of my deal. I do it every nice. single year. It's, um, it's, uh, I do it with my friend, Justin and he and I, you know, he only lives, he lives less than a half mile from my house. And we live in, I live in a small town of about 1800, 2000 people. Okay. Um, I could walk to his house, but he and I, we probably don't see, we don't see each other that much throughout the year. We're both very focused on careers that are very different. Um, but man, that hunt, I, I, as long as I physically can, and as long as I live, I'm going to do that hunt. It's a high so country have, mule deer archery. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's, uh, that's my deal. And then I'm going to Montana, uh, for antelope archery, uh, nice. in the middle of August. I did that last year on a solo deal. I'm going with, uh, my friend, Tim that works for mystery ranch. Cool. And my friend Jay Byer, who's a photographer for Sitka. Nice. Um, he's those two guys are just stellar. So I've got that on the on the radar. Uh, that that uh, deer hunt, and I'm going to be on an elk hunt in Montana this year. I've never never done that, so I'm excited nice, for man. that. So and then uh, kids, I uh, kind of October is kind of my kid month. That's when all my kids, you know, whatever whatever they've drawn is typically like late September or October. And then uh, off to Kentucky for my my uh, one uh, white week of whitetail every year. Yeah, that's kind of uh, kind of my deal. Nice man. Love, Sounds like a good a good plan. It. Yep, yep. And try and keep uh, keep married and keep uh, business uh, going <laughs> in the middle of all that too. I hear you, man. I hear you. All right, brother. Well, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. this. Has been a really good conversation. We covered a lot of ground, and uh, it's been great, man. Good. Good. Oh yeah. If you, if anyone does want to reach out to me, yeah. um, you know, email is probably the best just Kendall card at camelfire.com. Um, but if you want to find me on, on the gram, uh, I'm at, at Kendall card and, uh, I don't check my DMS all that often. So if you do message me or you have a question about boots, I'm happy to field any questions about boots or gear or whatever the case may be. Um, nice. just be patient. Know that I'll, that's I'll cool, check man. It eventually. Yeah, that's cool. That you're that accessible. So, all right, brother. It was good talking to you, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much.